Hello, Internet. I'm your husband, host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, you, you know, it's a little warm in our house right now. Well, um, the sun is shining. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. But the also- <laughs> earth moves ever closer to its solar friends. <laughs> and we haven't really turned the air on. Because people are in and out. Well, and it's why God created windows. Is it? Yeah. Is that why? Well, he opens the every time he opens the window, it the it the air conditioning will go outside. Is the oh, old that's so it. That's every it. time God opens a window, Jesus says, "Hey, we're not paying to heat the cool, outside. To heat the outdoors. No, cool, cool. cool. Hey, oh, and man. the Holy Ghost is like, whoa, <laughs> boo, boo." Well, so, I mean, that's the thing, right? In and out and in and out because it's very nice outside, but also hot. Once again, as uh, so often happens with our intros, this has nothing to do. It does just a little bit. It does because we're doing another bio episode. We are. And I don't know this person. Okay. (laughs) Well, so this topic was uh, suggested by Jason M. Thank you, Jason. And it's kind of, okay. So it has to do. Well, with, first, hold on. Before we get started, what? thank you everybody who supported us in the match. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, it was fantastic. All the positivity, all the support. Means great the world showing, to us. everyone. Thank you, everybody, so much. We really appreciate it. You were all great. Uh, we tried to thank everybody we could. If we missed anybody, we still appreciate you. This is your thank you. <laughs> thank you, that person. Okay, now what topic is this that Jason suggested? Uh. Hannah Woolley. Okay. Okay. Well, she wrote about everything domestic. So uh, recipes, etiquette, home style things. She was kind of like the Martha Stewart of the time. Okay. Okay. And one of the first published female writers. Oh, okay. Go on. All right. Well, you seemed incredulous about her Martha Stewart. No, I was trying to think of a different uh, person. Gwyneth Paltrow. No. Well, uh, no. you'll see. So oh. <laughs> today, there are a lot of places that you can find home style food influencers, right? Well, right. I mean, it's half of the blog, maybe more than half the blogs on the internet. We have all of HGTV, right. TikTok, mm-hmm. everything. Uh, and there you can get all the opinions and suggestions on homemaking, cleaning. Life um, hacks. Life hacks, exactly. And it really is just a Google search away as long as you kind of like know how to thread the needle with the aesthetic that you want to live. And sometimes they'll even come to you. I mean, oh, if you yeah. have a partner who scrolls through things. Uh, I send Teresa stuff all the time like, check this out. <laughs> a new way to cut onions. Can you believe it? Can you oh believe it? Um, so you can imagine that it wasn't really like that in the 1600s when Hannah Woolley was born. Well, yeah. I mean, stuff was, I would say, 400 years and a Google search. <laughs> Something like that. Not only because, uh, I, I mean, it just wasn't available, but there was also a lot of, like, hard work and strife that had to be dealt with, like... Who needs to know about arranging bouquets when there are chores that we're trying to do just to scrape our living off the land? You know, I bet there was also a lot of like, you know, just assuming religiousness Mm -hmm. of like, 
Now the beauty is for the heaven and for now we must suffer to oh. please the gods. And uh, please the gods? Please God. Well, right. we're okay, we're talking about the 1600s uh in London. Uh so this is Cromwell uh right into the restoration. So I'm right there, right? With yeah. Cromwell it was very much the like beauty and Joy are reserved for heaven, and here on earth we right. must toil and suffer to please a little the bit. Lord. A little bit. Um, Hannah, we don't know the exact date she was born. Um, just June third. <laughs> just because only like super important people it was recorded of that kind of thing. There weren't like birth certificates. So or it's anything. possible today is her birthday. It is possible. Happy birthday, <laughs> Hannah Woolley. In England in 1622, um, we know that she had. Like a mom and dad, I think that's a given, but also a few older sisters. But we don't really know anything about uh, a fa- her father, especially. We do know that she was not only at the time of her decline a respected writer and domestic goddess, she was also a medicine woman. Okay. Now, I feel like we might have just jumped there. A little bit. From her being born to her decline. Okay. Well, it was an it was an overview. Okay, great. I hope there's more in between because we're only five minutes in. <laughs> there sure is. She was skilled. Uh, her mother, her sisters, and herself were skilled in, quote, physic and chirurgery. Chirurgery? Is that like surgery? It is like surgery. Okay. Uh, physic is an archaic term used to describe the practice of folk medicine before modern doctors. And chirurgery is a similar term, but relates more directly to the practice of home surgery. Okay. Both of those sound very scary. Listen to Sawbones, friends. Yeah, no. Hey, can I just be <laughs> frank with you? Most medicine until like the last 40 years sounds pretty scary to <laughs> Yeah, me. it's true. Um, so obviously this type of information was passed down from generation to generation. Um, and it's assumed that her interest in cooking and creating household systems later, uh, were a result of this. I mean, this is literally where we get old wives tales, right? Yes. Someone saying, oh, you want uh, to polish, you know, your, your silver, you need to spit three times and uh, some a combination of weasel wart and river's mud or whatever, right? <laughs> like, because, like, you didn't have people comparing and contrasting the ways that they were doing it, right? It was like, well, my grandmother told me how to do this, so I'm telling you and you're going to tell your kids. And there wasn't a lot of, like, there's got to be a better, much like, Until inf- much like infomercials, there's got to be a, a better, better way. way. But- Hannah was uh, instrumental in changing that. Okay. Anyway, um, and even more so, she actually got a job as a domestic servant when she was about 17. Um, And she seemed, by all accounts, resourceful and clever and an avid learner, which would serve her well um, in later life. Um, So one of the things that she was particularly good at was crafting recipes. Now, not just like food, but also those medicines, right? And recipe was used to really mean anything that you cobbled together like you were talking about the tarnish the silver cleaner or right, whatever right, right right life hacks life hacks that's exactly right she was the originator of life hacks cool cool and, and you know i don't think the weasel <laughs> wart does anything here mm. what if we just use the three spits and the river's mud 
Life hack. Life hack. So in 1646, she married a schoolmaster, uh, which makes complete sense given the fact that she loved to learn and had a little hand in everything from, you know, embroidery and teaching. I thought she was a catch. All that I bet so. Just, just as far as like the standards of the time and her like the the homemaking of the mm-hmm. time, that was probably like a number one. Like you, you won't have to worry about anything. She was probably, as one referred to, an accomplished woman. Okay. Um, and they ran a grammar school together in Essex. So uh, her husband would do things, you know, like the writing and the math, and then she would also teach the children her folk medicine remedies, more like things for, you know, scraped knees and upset tummies and stuff. Kind of like home economics. A little bit, yeah. They would go on to have four sons and two daughters and potentially even more, although it's not recorded exactly how many. Um, Unfortunately... The 1600s, life, uh, life expectancy is still not great. Just a reminder, because this is a thing to always keep in mind when we talk about life expectancy in the past, you're averaging in infant mortality. That's true. Right? So people always talk about life expectancy of like, but be, most people only live to 50. That's not entirely true. Uh, they might not have lived as long, but a lot of that was an average of including those infant deaths as well. Mm-hmm. So that really brought the average down. Just a reminder. Go on. That said, her husband died relatively young. <laughs> well, that, I mean, listen, it still happens. In 1661. Uh, so they were were only married a little more than, um, what is that, eight, yeah. 18 years? Sure. So she's, uh, what, 39 at this point? Yeah. 19, yeah. Uh, 16, 22. To, yep. Yep. Okay. And so being a widow was really not uh, not to be envied no. at this time in history. Um, so Especially not a, like she's not a wealthy widow. You exactly. Know I mean? We're not talking about someone from money and means here. So this is really where she had to put all of her skills to the test. On and, American Gladiators. <laughs> and she decided that the most lucrative one was writing. Okay. During the 1600s, there was a massive literacy boom in England. In fact, there were more people able to read in England than there were in the rest of Europe. Okay, this is that restoration period, right? Right, yes. Because now, I wonder... No, it was right before the restoration. um, Because Cromwell's regime in England actually encouraged uh, education among women. So you could read about God. Of course, yes. Um, And so it encouraged that. But once the restoration occurred, uh, people were like, nah, women don't need nothing. They they can't go here anymore. Ew. Yeah. So this led to a completely new market for consumers, right? Because there were so many more people that wanted to read and read about everything, right? Right. Reference, education, even pleasurable reading. Uh, really, really ticks up this time. Here's the thing, right? Oh, boy. We're talking about uh, Hannah Woolley's domestic manuscripts. They weren't super popular at this time. Um, Many of them were written by men and were long-winded and didn't offer much useful and practical information. At this point, the domestic manuscripts was not a popular... Like genre, yes, right? because, because they weren't, they actually, weren't actually very good. Well, yeah, that explains if if 
if you're talking about like a mystery genre, it's like, yeah, people didn't really enjoy it because they said who the killer was on the first page. <laughs> like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But our girl figured out that it was about time for a woman to write one for other women. And I can't wait to hear more about that. But first, we should write a little thank you note for our sponsors. I love how you did that. Thank you. This week, Schmanners wants to write a thank you note to Function of Beauty. Anyone who knows me will tell you that I am one, beautiful, and two, like to take care of myself uh, in the appearance way. It makes me feel special. And that's one of the reasons I love Function of Beauty so much, because it's unique and a customized formula just for you, based on a short but thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs to look and feel its best. Every product is sulfate and paraben-free, vegan and cruelty-free, and Function of Beauty fans are absolutely wild about the fragrances, and for good reason. Try tropical mango, sweet peach, crisp pear, or subtler scents such as lavender, rose, and eucalyptus. If fragrance is not for you, that's okay. You can get unscented as well. I love it. It leaves my hair, you know, like I have slightly dry hair. I have, you know, dyed hair. And so being able to get something that's specifically going to take care of my hair not only leaves my hair looking and feeling great, but it makes me feel special, you know? So go to functionabeauty.com slash schmanners to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash schmanners to let them know you heard about it here and to get 20% off your order. Functionalbeauty.com slash schmanners. We also want to say thank you to Bombas. You know, working out can be hard. Like just kind of motivating yourself to do it, right? So why not make it a little bit easier by wearing the right socks? Bombas performance socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. Bombas Performance Socks are stitched with special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool airflow in and prevent overheating. They come with a pillow-like tab to save you from blisters, stay-up technology, and special arch-hugging system, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. Listen, I wear these things when I take the dogs on a walk. I'm not working out that hard, but it still feels great, right? I'm out there doing it, feeling like I'm doing it, and feeling like, you know, my feet aren't just an afterthought. What I put around them is a focus, and it's helping me get out there and do it and feel comfortable. So go to bombas.com slash today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so Hannah's like, time, time for a different perspective. 
time mm-hmm. for me to step up and write the world's greatest life hack guide. That's right. Right. So she started BuzzFeed. No. Okay. Uh, the same year as the death of her husband, so 1661, Wooly published her very first book, The Ladies' Directory, using her own money. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, which was a real That's gamble. That's a risk, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially for a widow, not mm-hmm. with means. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But luckily, it exploded once it hit the so. shelves. Yeah, I, I assume that it was a gamble that paid off, but we probably wouldn't be talking about it. Oh, right? totally. I mean, in the same way, like we were talking about earlier, how you can't, you, you can't make a click on your computer screen without diving into a lifestyle blog. Okay. I mean, there are lots of things you can accidentally <laughs> click into. I'm just saying they're prevalent. But you don't have to set up a safe search to filter out lifestyle blogs. If <laughs> Maybe anything, you do. If somebody could come up with a Chrome extension that would let me skip past <laughs> the first 18 pages of text to just get to the recipe on one of those, that I would take. And listen, I know that that's trite. I know it's cliche to complain about that. But man, it's so true. <laughs> Listen, I am torn about this because, yes, I do want to get to the recipe, but also a lot of that history is important, not just for posterity, but so that you can figure out where this recipe might fit in your life and with your family. And those things are interesting. And put the recipe at the top. Let me read the recipe. And then if I'm interested. But the thing is, if I'm doing it on my phone and I'm trying to get back to the recipe that I looked at yesterday, it's a little frustrating. I'm saying put the recipe at top, right? Okay. I can get with that. Okay. okay. That was our first fight. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe it was right here in front of everybody. Okay. Okay. So she covered everything you could possibly need in her compendium. Recipes, domestic management, embroidery, letter writing, medicinal concoctions, even instructions on how to make your own cosmetics, which is why I think that Gwyneth Paltrow is a good yeah, I mean, okay, analog. but Gwyneth Paltrow has some Analogy. other stuff. Analogy. That's what I mean, uh, not analog. Some, uh, other stuff. Oh, and so did Hannah. Oh, boy. Okay. So it was reprinted in 1664 because of high demand. And shortly after, she released her second book, The Cook's Guide. Um, and then it was clear that this sort of thing, these life hacks were working out great. Right. So then she put out book three, Shades of Grey. <laughs> no, but these writings are very valuable uh, historical examples of what life was like. Um, and, you know, if you can get your hands on one, it is a direct glimpse into everyday history. Well, I can imagine. Yeah. So... Uh, She's in the midst of expanding her brand at this point. She's building her franchise. And one of the areas that we've talked about is her her proclivity towards medicinal healing, right? right? Yeah. Mentioned that a couple times. wasn't technically a doctor. Oh, hey, honey, I didn't think you need to clarify that. <laughs> I, I had not assumed she was. Yeah, a lot of the doctors weren't technically doctors at the time. Um, and so when it comes to things like settling your stomach or healing blemishes or or things like that, I don't doubt that there is some uh, some little nuggets of wisdom and, and things like that. But, but also probably some big chunks of BS. Yes. Okay. Um, and she 
she knew that people were into this kind of stuff. So often her recipes and instructions are a little vague, and she would encourage people to contact her for a private consultation. Okay, so she knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. Listen, I don't she's fault got, the hustle. She's you know? got hustle. I don't fault it. I don't fault it. <laughs> I mean, but that also, I guess maybe there were also times where this might have gotten people hurt, and I do fault that. Yes. Let me be clear. Don't. That's not nice. So there you heard it is, here first, folks. Hurting people, not, not nice. nice. Uh, in eighteen, uh, sorry, sixteen seventy, uh, her next popular book was called "The Queen Like Closet" or "Rich Cabinet." Now, okay, this is, that could be a title published today. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: it's not. It's not like about fashion or like wearing white after Labor Day or or hats or wigs or anything. Is it about organizing? A little bit. The word closet in the 1600s doesn't explicitly refer to clothing. It meant a storage space or a cupboard. And this book is actually filled with instructions on how to make cordials and tonics and things like that. I mean, also like real drinks like cocktails, but not I mean, not quite cocktails. It's more just like mead and and juniper or something like that. And so it's really a comprehensive guide on what to stock in your medicine cabinet. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I, this is the thing, right? I'm trying really hard to figure out how I feel about this. Okay. Because it is, as you said, like the mid-1600s. So it's not like they knew a ton of stuff otherwise. Oh, of course So not. it's not like Hannah is advising people to take fake medicine when there is real helpful medicine and doctor knowledge out there, right? Mm-hmm, At mm-hmm. this point, I would say probably everybody's just grasping at straws and stumbling blindly through the dark anyways. Yes, they're doing the best they can, and Hannah is also one of those people doing. Right. The question I think I keep coming back with is, was she conning people, or was she giving the best advice she could? I believe that she was giving the best advice she could, because, like— she had now three successful books at this point. Like, I don't think that she really needed to continue, like... So it doesn't seem like it's flim-flam so much as it, this is to the best of her knowledge. Her knowledge might have just not been very good. Exactly. Because of the time period. Okay, Right. Um. So here is a Because there's lots of people out here nowadays yes. that I won't name that are flim-flamming left and right while there is better knowledge out there directly contradicting that. Right. Right. And so I'm trying to like get a feel for if that's what was going on or not. I don't believe so. Okay, great. I would like to read to you a recipe for something called the plague water. Oh, okay. Take three pints of muscadine, boil therein one handful of sage and one handful of rue until a pint be wasted, then strain it out and set it over the fire again. Put thereto a pennyworth of long pepper, half an ounce of ginger, and a quarter of an ounce of nutmeg, all beaten together. Boil them together a little while covered, and put it to one pennyworth of mithridate, two pennyworth of venous treacle, uh, one quarter pint of hot angelica water. Take one spoonful at a time, morning and evening, always warm if you be already diseased. If not, once a day is sufficient all of the plague time. It is... Most excellent medicine never faileth if taken before the heart may be utterly mortified with the disease. It is also good for smallpox, measles, or surfeits. I don't know what surfeits is. What did any of that mean? Okay, let's break it down. I heard warm angelic water in there. What? Yeah, yeah. 
And if you listen to Sawbones on the reg, you would know. Okay. I don't have time to listen to other people's podcasts. <laughs> I'm too busy listening to my own podcast. That's true. <laughs> All right. Let's break it down. Muscadine, the first ingredient listed, is a specific type of grape. Okay. And three pints of it is likely meaning wine from oh, that grape. okay. Rue is a silvery gray herb with yellow flowers that taste a lot like really bitter blue cheese. Okay. And it can be used at this time for everything from headache to insect repellent. Mithridate is a compound found in blue violets that supposedly makes you immune to poison. Spoiler, it doesn't. No, okay. But um, Venice treacle is another antidote made from poppies, which I'm sure opium. was very good. Yes. Well, you mean op- opium-like. It's, it's an opiate, is yes. what you're saying. Yes. Okay, great. great. And, and not, jo- not that that's an immediately turn your nose up at, because there's a lot of medicine that are opiates. Right. Like, yeah. Angelica root is a sort of like wild celery that's used to treat insomnia, loss of appetite, and flatulence. So is that how you make angelic water? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, with this, that celery. Okay. Um. So we can't really know what this recipe did for people. It definitely did not cure the plague. No. But, but there are a few things we do know about some of these ingredients. I will say with three pints of wine in there, it probably made you feel a little bit better about having the plague. And there is vitamin C and antioxidants in red wine. Um. Sage, ginger, and nutmeg are often mixed together to soothe the stomach. Sure. Um, and tea from angelica root and Venice treacle would be like making tea out of Pepto-Bismol and sprinkling some opium in it. You know, and I know they talk about this on Sawbones. I have listened to Sawbones. Okay. But, like, I wonder how much of this stuff, because, like, this is the thing of... They always talk about, and we've talked about, and it's easy to talk about, like, you would think that you could test this by saying, well, that person has the plague, (laughs) and they took this, and they still have the plague. So it's a problem, right? But how often were there people who were just like, I'm pretty sure I have the plague, and they didn't, right? They had an upset stomach or, you know, something where it's just like, they're like, well, everybody's getting the plague, so there's probably the plague. So they took this thing, right? And then they didn't have an upset stomach anymore, and they're like, there it is. Cured the plague. Anything is possible. Right. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, okay. And it also, once again, it wasn't like you could jump on Twitter and be like, hey, this thing doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. If you died from plague, you probably weren't complaining too much about the medicine afterwards. <laughs> but the thing about this was Wooly was a pioneer for this entire genre of writing, right? Um, under her fame, domesticity books exploded in England. I mean, like we've mentioned a few before. Oh, yeah. Um, and after that, though, there's not a lot of information on her life after those writings. Mm. We know that she remarried in 1666, And then he died two years later. Um, And after that, even her date of death is unknown. And what happened to her kids, really, we don't know. Well, I mean, it was 400-something, a little under 400 years ago. We barely know things about Shakespeare. And that date was very famous. Uh, We do know that shortly before and after her death— since every anything that's popular gets the copycats, right? And like her her wor- work was I'm Wana Hooley, and this is my book. <laughs> Probably stolen, and you know re 
what is it, republished under different people's names to mm. sell more books and all that stuff. Um, an unauthorized work uh, based on her books was published as The Gentlewoman's Companion. And it's a compendium of all of her works, but it doesn't credit her anywhere. Mm. Same thing in and 1864. I doubt got money off of it. You know, no, I, I mean, no. Another work took advantage of her fame and popularity, The Accomplished Lady's Delight, completely ripped off the queen-like closet. I mean, like, you know, she didn't, I don't know, can you trademark a book? I mean, plagiarism, right, is not cool, is bad. You can absolutely, you can absolutely own the copyright of a book. Oh, yeah, I guess she didn't, though. Well, or nobody cared. Yeah, I don't know what it was like in, in 1600. I doubt very much that. You know, once again, I mean, you could take that book, you could sail to America and publish that book. And yeah, chances are no one would ever hear of it back in England. And here's another thing. Right. Um, How do we know anything about her? And the fact is, a lot of her life is in obscurity and she probably could have came and went and left in obscurity. But because of her books and the popularity of food bloggers. Uh-huh. We know so much about her. She's come back to life through historians. Um, so all you have to do is Google a quick search. We'll give you several links now, to Now, what was that? Go- a Google. Google. Okay. We'll give you several links to amateur chefs and historians who've taken it upon themselves to find and recreate some of Woolley's more mainstream recipes. Okay, like what? They're the blogs named Cooking in the Archives, The Recipe Project, and Gastronomy Archaeology. Have things like her marmalades, her gingerbread, her wine revival tricks. Excuse me? Yeah, Yeah. life hacks. Yeah, life hacks. All these life hacks. And the Smithsonian actually wrote a wonderful article just this March um, about the importance of the, quote, domestic goddess in the 17th century. Um, here's, here's a few highlights. Hannah Woolley is often called the Martha Stewart of the 17th century, but nice. a more apt comparison might be wellness guru Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, okay. So, okay. Okay. So you were, okay, go on. I read the copy before the show starts. Well, one of us definitely has to. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, That's because uh, Wooly didn't just provide recipes for eel pie and hot chocolate wine. She also offered up recipes for cosmetics, shampoos, medicines, even a guide to performing minor surgery. Okay. Um, and wouldn't that be fun if BuzzFeed started publishing like life hacks? Like, do you need to do surgery at home? <laughs> Here's 10 easy life hacks for how you can hack up your life. Oh, yeah. Um, and so her her compiling these records and publishing them is really the only thing that stands out about her career as a, a writer because. Usually, homes had their own kind of household manual. Um, so the, these, quote, commonplace household books would be passed down from generation to generation um, where everything would be collected. You know, recipes for bombs, distillation, not bombs. Bombs. I, I saw, right. <laughs> I saw Woo! your face. Woo! I had a moment where I was like, wait, what have we been talking about? elixirs i mean like basically your how to take care of everyone in the house book right 
Um, Even curators at the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. and the Wellcome Library in London have put a lot of effort into gathering together and digitizing these other household recipe books. So far, hundreds of them have been found. Wow. Uh, So these uh, recipe collections are really unique um, and necessary for chronicling everyday life in history. I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty awesome as well. You know what else I think is awesome? Everybody who supports us through the Max Fund Drive. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you to you for listening. Thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to make this show. And without your support on Max Fund, we wouldn't be able to pay Alex what she deserves. And that means we wouldn't have Alex. (laughs) Uh, And that means we wouldn't be able to make the show. So, you know, it's kind of a domino effect. All comes back to you supporters. Exactly. Thank you to our Max Fund home uh, for having us. Thank you to all the other McElroys for supporting our endeavors. And you can listen to their projects at McElroy.family. Um, there's a, speaking of McElroy Family, we have a YouTube channel, McElroy Family YouTube channel. Uh, we did a stream for Max Fund Drive where Teresa and I go through a mm, not real <laughs> book, uh, but it's supposedly real, but framed as real book of sex tips from the late 1800s. But it's not really. We talk about that in the thing. But it's pretty funny to watch me get wicked uncomfortable. Oh, reading yeah. A, you can watch that on our YouTube page as well as like some video game streams and that kind of thing. Uh, I stream video game stuff on Twitch. Uh, twitch.tv slash the Travis McRoy if you want to check that out. Next week is going oh, to be... Oh, I, I do want to say not all of your Twitch streams are family friendly. Yes, they're pretty much a lot of adult language and ideas. Yes. Um, next week's Schmanners is going to be about perfumes and colognes. Mm. Um, and we've already got the tweet up for that. So if you have questions about the etiquette of it, Go ahead and go on over there to at SchmannersCast and respond to that tweet with your questions. What else, Teresa? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Once again, at SchmannersCast is where we get all of our listener-submitted questions. Thank you to... uh, Bruja Betty pinup photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Go ahead and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. Also, please, just like Jason for this episode, submit your topic suggestions to schmannerscast at gmail.com. And I think that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.